is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. So we celebrated the Pentecost Sunday, and that's the time when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. And uh, last Sunday, Sister Stubbs was talking about being filled with the Spirit. And uh, she spoke from Acts chapter 1, the promise, the baptism, and the benefits. And uh, the conclusion was that all of us can be baptized. And if you miss the message, you must go and watch it again. It was such a powerful message. And that, that really encouraged me to do uh, another part from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But first, let me just start off with my story. Actually, it's a very, very nice story from Africa. And uh, it says, when the devil comes to the wrong house. So this is how the story goes. There was a very rich man who, bought a, who built a very good house. He built a huge mansion with 10 rooms. Five on the top, five at the bottom. 10 rooms. And one day, he gets a knock on the door. And when he opens the door, there, Jesus was standing. This man was very delighted. He says, wow, Jesus, so great to see you. Please come in. I heard about you so many times. I heard how you come and bless people, how you come and stay in their homes. So is it okay if you can come and stay in my house? I will give you the biggest room in my house and the biggest balcony, great view, good bed, very nice. Would you be my guest? Jesus, being a gentleman, he says, he said, thank you very much. And he came upstairs and stayed there. The man was very, very happy saying that, hey, I've done the right thing by giving one room to Jesus. That night, there was one more knock. And this time, the knock was not gentle, but it was very loud. Open the door, open the door. And this guy just ran out of the bed and says, who in this world can come at this part of the night? So he slowly un un unbolted the door. He was just peeping to see who it was. And guess who it was? It was a devil. The devil came in the night and this man looked at the devil and says, oh, I've heard about you too. How you enter into people's life, steal, destroy, and kill them, and you are not welcome in this home. And as he was about to shut the door, the devil had only one foot in the door. That's how it all begins, right? Just one foot. And the devil just forced himself, put the foot, put his knees, put the hands, pushed, and came inside. And the whole night, he tormented him. Temptations pouring out, temptations over him, tormenting him. And this guy could not sleep. And as the sun was rising, the devil just left. And then Jesus comes down. And this man says, oh, Jesus, you have been here. I forgot that you were upstairs. I wish you had come down and helped me to fight this devil. Together, we would have fought and won this devil. And Jesus said, sorry, you just gave me one room. So I was just in my room. What? So this man said, let's do one thing. You take 50% of the house, I take 50% of the house. Five rooms belongs to you, and five belongs to me. 
And Jesus being a gentleman, he said, very well, thank you so much. And Jesus went up out, upstairs. And again in the night, there was one more knock. Open the door. And it was the devil again. The devil forced himself inside, beat him up, gave him all the temptations, all the filth, and the man struggled all night because he was not strong enough. Finally, as the sun was rising, the devil left and Jesus came down. And this man looked at Jesus and he was very angry. He said, Jesus, you have been here. I've been so generous with you. Why didn't you come and help me? Jesus said, sir, come down. It's true that you gave me 50%, five rooms. But you see, we have a problem here. I don't share things here. You have, you're the owner of the house. You are the person who's in charge. So I cannot take charge. Then he said, okay, Jesus, here's the deal. You have all the nine rooms, but except one room. This is my room. And I don't want to share that with you because I have all my secrets there. There are a lot of adult things. You would not be comfortable staying in that room. So just let me have that one room. Nine belongs to you. Jesus being gentleman said, very well, thank you. And Jesus went off. And that night, the devil came back again. Beat him back and blue. Gave him all the temptations. And the whole night, this guy could not sleep. And in the morning, Jesus came down. This man was just putting his head and he was crying. Like many of us do on the altar calls, right? We come and just cry before Jesus. Oh, Jesus, give me one more chance. I've been so generous. I come to church. I give my tithes, my offering. I do everything, Lord. And as he was crying, Jesus sat with him and said, Sir, let me explain something to you. You have given me the nine rooms, but the title deed belongs to you. You are the master of the house. And I have been invited as a guest. He says, let's change this. Why don't you give that house to me? Let me be the master and I will do the protection. I will take care of the house. I will take care of you. And instead, I being the guest, why don't you stay in my house and be my guest? And this man was very delighted. He says, okay, I've given my nine rooms. I'll give you all the 10. And he gave him all the keys. Now Jesus took the keys. And that night, there was a knock on the door. And the devil came back again. And this man was fearing it. He said, I know this is the devil. And I'm going to have the same terrible night. And with fear and trembling, he goes to the door to open it. And Jesus taps him at the back and says, hey, what are you doing? This is my house. I will take care of it. You go back to sleep. And this man was very happy. He went back. Jesus opened the door. And he says, who's that? And the devil looked, peeped inside and says, oh, Jesus, what are you doing in this house? And then he looked at the address. He said, I'm sorry, Jesus. I think I came to the wrong house. And he fled. I don't know, that's been my story. Before, when I became a Christian, there were many areas in my life which I did not surrender to God. So my Christian graph 
would go something like, I would be high for Jesus for 10, 15 days, and then I would fall down so badly. Not to get up. Don't read my Bible, don't pray, don't do much, and then slowly go up and down, up and down, up and down. That's how my Christian life looked like until I went to a youth camp and sitting on the altar call, Jesus was showing my life, saying that, hey, you have given only 50% of your life to me. 50% belongs to you. How do you expect me to live a godly life? How do you expect me to take charge sitting in that altar call? I gave my heart to Jesus completely. Completely. I said, all to Jesus, I surrender. And I meant it all. I didn't even hold back anything that day. And when I did that, God did something amazing in my life. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in tongues. And from that time till now, life has been so beautiful. I just not only gave my heart to Jesus, I surrendered my life to him completely. I, I, in fact, the next day I took water baptism and then I followed him complete uh, in, in the ministry and I've been serving Jesus all in the last few years. That's been my story. And not that I did not sin. Even if I sinned, I got up and I walked with Jesus. The reason I'm telling you the story is that last Sunday, many of us came forward. And I know we didn't have an elaborate service to pray with you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you're hungry, if you've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but somehow you didn't get filled in the Holy Spirit, don't get discouraged. The point of the story is surrendering your life fully to Jesus. You can't just hold back 50% and says, Jesus, this is my 50, this is your 50. Let's walk together. Doesn't happen that way. God is looking for a surrendered life. Amen? No matter who you are, this morning time, God can touch your life. He can fill you with the Holy Spirit and you can live an empowered life. You don't have to live a weak Christian. So here's my text for the morning from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul is writing to the Galatians. And here he is saying that don't use your freedom to do whatever you want, whatever your flesh wants. Most of them were Jews, they were converts, and they were just living a life which, they, which pleased them. They were doing all the sinful things in the name of grace, 
and they were thinking, okay, we got the license now, we have, we have freedom in Christ, and they were living such horrible lives. And Paul is challenging them, don't use your freedom, don't use it like a license to sin, because that's not good. In fact, he's saying, so don't, says, do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. There's so many things that you can do in your flesh, right? And how the man in the story that, that we just heard, that he wanted to just keep things, secret things. He didn't want to surrender to God. And there were many people in that church who were getting attracted by all the sinful things, lustful things. And Paul is challenging them. Don't walk in the freedom. But rather, he says, verse 16, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's what he was saying. And then Paul was saying that both your flesh and the spirit, they're always in conflict. They're not friends. They're enemies. They are contrary to each other. There's always a fight which is going on between your flesh and your spirit. Your spirit wants to read the Bible, pray, live a holy life, go to witness, but your flesh is taking you in the opposite direction. And sometimes we think that our Christian life is like a playground, but it is a battlefield. Your Christian life is a battlefield. There are two forces which are fighting, the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature, and it depends what you feed what you do with your lifestyle, that one wins. Paul is not saying that the Holy Spirit is weak, definitely not. The power of the Holy Spirit can just give you so much power to live a holy life, to live a good life, but it all depends on you. What are you feeding? Our struggle is between three things, the flesh, the devil, and the world. And we sometimes we, we, we keep blaming the devil for everything, right? Oh, the devil made me sin. The devil is strong, definitely. The Bible calls him a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. But the greatest enemy that you and I face is not the devil, but is you, your flesh, your desires. There are many things that you don't need the devil to lead you to temptation. You run to it. You're so tempted that you run. So our greatest enemy is ourselves. If we can conquer ourselves, if we can just put our flesh under subjection, in fact, if you walk by the spirit, then you will not gratify the sinful nature. Paul, in fact, uses the word walk in the spirit or live by the spirit or be led by the spirit. Why? Because that's the way you need to live. As I told you my story that all my life, I struggled with sin. I struggled by reading my Bible or going to church or living a holy life. But once I surrendered completely to God, God changed my life. The second thing that I want you to look is two walks of life, flesh versus the spirit. Paul tells, in verses 19 to 21 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, 
idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fists of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. And he says, and I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's amazing that he's just not talking about two forces, but now he lists down all 15 of the acts of the flesh, and we will just look into them. I don't think so there's any other passage in the Bible which is as vivid, as contrast as we read in Galatians 16 to 26. And all of these are such a warning to us. Let's look at the, I've divided into four categories. The first is all the sensual sins. That is the sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. So sexual immorality, what is that? Sexual immorality is a conduct and intercourse, which includes taking pleasure in pornography, pictures, film, writing. In fact, the Greek word, pomia, that's the Greek word which, uh, which the pornography comes from, which means sexually intimate or taking pleasure from pictures or movies. I think that's one of our biggest challenges, right, of this day. The last two years, I think Netflix just went on five times in their ratings, in their subscription, went really high. People were sitting at home and didn't know what to do, so they're sitting and subscribing. All the websites were busy. It says impurity. What is impurity? Sexual sins, evil deeds and vices, including thoughts and desires of the heart. Debauchery. It means sensuality, following one's passion and desires to the point of having no shame or public decency. These are the sexual sins. And Paul is starting off saying that they top the list. Sex before marriage. If you've not been married, if you're a young person, if you're engaged in premarital sex, that is a sin. Living together before marriage, that is a sin. Sin, sex outside of the marriage, that is a sin. Improper or addicted to pornography, that is a sin. In fact, last few weeks I've been doing a series in uh, the Diamond Point. And Jesus talks about adultery in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he goes on to say, if your right eyes cause you to sin, gorge it out and throw it. It is better for you to lose one part of the body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it. It is better for you to lose one part of the body than for your whole body to go to hell. So Jesus took the same commandment, you shall not commit adultery, but he explained it a little more vivid. He was saying that you don't have to take somebody to the bed to commit adultery. Even in your mind, in your heart, you can commit adultery. Mental adultery, 
is a sin. If the act is wrong, so is the intention. That's what happens, right? We keep fantasizing about people whom we don't even know probably. They are famous personalities or actress or actors or anybody. And we can just do a mental pornography. We can have fantasies. And Jesus is saying, even that is a sin. That is lustful actions. Don't do that. Sometimes we think, hey, I'm just, my body is present, is clean for my wife or my husband. My mind probably, I can just think I'm not hurting anybody. But Jesus is raising the standard as saying that's adultery. That is fornication. Don't indulge in that. I was just thinking of an example. When you murder somebody, you're put in jail, life imprisonment, uh, and fine. And in fact, if the crime is really horrible, you face death. But do you know, there's another section called 307 IPC, attempt to murder. Even if you attempt to murder somebody, even if the person doesn't die, you can be imprisoned for 10 years, or a big fine, or both. I think Jesus was making a point here. He was saying, be strict with yourself, not just your body, but also your heart and your mind. He says, if your right eye is causing you to sin, gorge it out. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it out. It's better for you to go to heaven with one eye or one hand than both burning in hell. Church, this morning time, this comes to us as a warning. Jesus is saying, he's literally not asking you to cut, but be ruthless, be strict, don't play around. Be so strict that this does not lead you to sin itself. If you cut it off, if you just deal with it in the first stage, it's better. If your eye is clean, your whole body is clean. But if your eye is bad, Jesus says, how great is that darkness? That's the first category. The second category is the religious category, idolatry, worship of spirits, persons, or graven image, or trusting any person, institute, or anything equal to the authority of God or his word. That is idolatry. Then it says witchcraft, sorcery, spiritism, black magic, worship of demons, use of drugs to produce spiritual experiences. Jesus saying, in fact, Paul is saying, that's wrong, that's sinful. And most of us will just sit and say, hey, I don't indulge in all that. Idolatry, no way. Sometimes, I think we live, we swear by our likes, the number of followings we have in our Facebook, Instagram, that can become our idol, right? We think, hey, the first thing in the morning you want your mobile to see how many people liked your picture, that can become your idol. Instead of sitting in church, you're doing something else, that can become your idol. The third thing we see is the personal or interpersonal sins. Hatred, intense, hostile hatred 
or enmity, discord, quarreling, bitterness, struggle, jealousy, envy of another success, fits of rage, that means explosive anger that can cause violent words or actions. And you must be thinking, hey, how come in the big list, God is just putting all this hatred, jealousy, rage of anger, really? Will I not inherit the kingdom of God if I go through this? Maybe. Think about Moses, the greatest man on the earth, a prophet who led Israelites for 40 years. He did not enter the promised land because of his anger. He got so angry that he stuck the rock and God says, buddy, you're not going in. You need to control your anger. What about, maybe you will make it to heaven, not a problem but probably you will lose your job. Probably you lose your relationship because of your anger, because of the things you say or do. If you don't check your anger, or if you're hating somebody to a point, or what about jealousy? Think about Miriam and Aaron. They were so jealous of Moses that God just stuck her with leprosy. Whoa. Maybe it will not happen this time, but God can do something else. Selfish ambition, seeking power. I was thinking of Anaya and Sapphira in the Bible. They, they just lied. Selfish ambition. They wanted to just keep some money. And they were stuck dead. And Peter said, how did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Ambitions are fine, but what about selfish ambitions? Dissensions, which means introducing device teaching not supported by the word of God, fractions, divisions among the congregation, or making groups or bands and breaking the unity of the church. This is very much in this list. Fractions, envy. You're always envying somebody else. The fourth thing that we see is the social sin. Drunkenness, and orgies, drunkenness is, you know it, alcohol, drinking, excessive. The list is here. You're so addicted to it. Orgies is excessive feasting and partying involving alcohol, drugs, sex, all like that. That's orgies. And the Bible is warning. It says, as I have warned you before, that those who who practice these acts of sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. Paul is warning. This can prevent you from getting into heaven. If this is your ongoing lifestyle and you're not changing, this is how you want to live and die, definitely you'll be hellbound. The Bible is giving a very stern warning. But there is hope. There is a chance where if you confess your sin, God will forgive you and you can just go to heaven, live a good life. A story is told about the Eskimos, how they kill wolf. Very, very interesting and unique pattern of these Eskimos, how they hunt wolves. The Eskimos take a big, sharp sword or a knife and they dip it 
in an animal's blood and then they freeze it and then they dip it again in the blood and freeze it that happens almost three to four times a four layer is formed on the sword it's almost like your eyes gola right picture that and they just take the sword and put it in an open country just an open place and they sit and have chai and they're just sipping out they don't do anything the wolf can smell that blood from a distance and it keeps coming to that blade and the moment it sees the blade it begins to lick the first layer and the second layer and is enjoying that completely engrossed the first layer second layer third layer fourth layer and after the fourth layer is the blade it's licking tasting the fresh blood licking faster and faster until it touches the blade excited now harder and harder it licks the blade in that arctic night became so craving for the blood that it does not realize that is licking its own blood now the tongue is cut but is licking it licking it that naked blood to a point that all the blood is oozed out and it falls dead and in the morning the hunters will just come and pick up the body and go that's how our appetite for sinful nature can be you can suck on your own blood until you fall dead and the devil doesn't have to do much because you so enjoyed it you so loved it that you did not have time to notice whose blood it was and obviously it was your blood that got sucked got drained and you die but there is good news that the good news is through the holy spirit we can live an empowered life and i love verse 22 galatians 22 says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control against such things there is no law now the picture is totally different here we see a contrast from all the sinful nature to the fruit of the spirit the fruit is fruit not fruits it's one fruit which comes in nine different flavors and that and you can see the picture which try to just put a picture for you so you can just imagine that so it's not different different is one fruit and these flavors are all in one fruit but why don't we see that in our lives probably just takes time it takes time for us to be manifested in our lives so i i heard about a person who talks that uh there is a fruit which is found in australia and spain one fruit which has all the nine flavors so many flavors that you take a bite is sweet you take another bite is sour you take another bite it's bitter one fruit very complicated name i didn't get a picture to but it's an amazing to see that not just a spiritual fruit but also earthly fruit there's one more fruit called the miracle berry if you eat this fruit then and eat a sour sour food it makes it tastier and here's the picture 
This is a fruit. It's called the miracle fruit. It contains a chemical that affects our taste buds in our tongue. And this chemical makes the tongue register sweet taste or the bitter taste. And I'm thinking like, wow, if God has created fruit like this on the earth, how much more? How much more we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And God wants to give us this fruit. He wants us to taste this and to exhibit it through our lives. But it's always linked with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. If you abide in the Spirit, then you get to get this fruit. So when I was baptized, I was, as I was sitting on the floor, what changed my life was that God gave me a promise. He says, I'm going to just give you love, discipline, and authority over your life. These were the three things which came to me while I was just sitting and seeking the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And eventually, my love changed. Everything changed. My discipline totally changed. And then God gave me authority as I, and I began to lead the youth group there. All three. And slowly, I began to see other manifestations. This morning time, it all begins with the Spirit of God. And the first spirit is love. You cannot be in relationship with God without love. You need to love God. And the biggest commandment that God has given you is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and with everything within you. That's where it all begins. I think that's what happened to me. Everything else becomes shadow for me. My friends, and all the movies, or the pleasures, or everything became shadow. I had one single desire, is to love Jesus with all my heart. So I would wake up five o'clock in the morning and just take my Bible, run to the mountains, sit there and pray, then come down, get ready and go to college or go to work. That's what happened in my life, love. That's where it began. The first fruit is spirit of love. And if you look into the Bible, 1 John 4, it says, the one who does not know, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's where it all begins. God is love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's where it begins. 1 John 3, 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. It's all about love. It's about love. This morning time, I don't know what or who is your first love. If God is not in that place, you have not even began to manifest that fruit. Love for God, love for people, love for our neighbors. And the best example is 1 Corinthians 13. What is love? Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I'm such a brilliant one, so opposite to the sinful nature, right? 
That's all lust. But this is love. And this is how God loved us. And this is how you grow in love. The second one, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I don't know if you're a joyful person or not. But I think there's something about joyful people. You love to hang around with them. They smile all the time. Doesn't mean that they don't have problems. They're happy all the time. Even if things are going bad, there's something, some strength. There's some delight in them. And I think the greatest example for me was my father. Always smiling, always praying, always happy, no matter what's happening in the life. And I could see that, I could see the image of Jesus on his face. And I would love to see his face. It would always be glowing. That's joy. What kind of joy that you need to have? The joy of your salvation. I think that's one of the greatest joy. To know that Jesus loves you. You've been saved. You will go to heaven. You love Jesus. Jesus loves you. That is one of the greatest joy in your life is your salvation. It's your answered prayers. That when you pray, God answers you. The joy of leading others to Jesus. I think that's one of the greatest joys. When somebody gives their heart to Jesus because of you, because of your testimony, like, wow, that's so great. A missionary was traveling in a train and the opposite person sitting to him began to look at him so intently that this missionary got a little discomfortable. Like, hey, why are you watching me like that? And then after a few hours, this guy looked at the missionary and says, there's something different about your face. What do you do on your face that it shines all the time? And the missionary says, nothing. And then he just began to read. He says, no, no, no. There's something that you're doing that your face is glowing. In fact, I know many Christians, all of them, their faces shine. And suddenly the missionary realized, he said, hey, yeah, now I know. He says, it's not that we do outside. It's a, something that we put up inside that comes out on our faces, that shines, and that is Jesus Christ. His love shines through us. I thought that's such a brilliant testimony. How about you? Do you have the joy of the Lord? We read about Paul and Silas put in the jail, beaten, but they're sitting and singing there, worshiping God. In fact, Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Don't be sad. Psalm 16:11. In his presence is fullness of joy. Romans 14 says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's amazing. So many joys. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Are you bearing that fruit? Do people see Jesus in you? People see joy in you. And I'm not saying that you will not go through hard times. Definitely you will go through hard times. But is there still joy? That assurance, hey, no matter what happens, Jesus loves me. We will get through this. All things works out together for good. I will get through this. The joy of the Lord. And the third thing that we see is the peace. Peace does not mean absence of war or troubles. But in spite of that, Peace is quietness, stillness, to rest when everything is restless. That is peace. How do we achieve that? Number one, 
peace with God. If you have peace with God, I think then you have the true peace. Romans 5 says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is where it all begins. Peace with God. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Come on. That's a great scripture for us. God gives us his peace. If we just constantly keep our mind on him, he gives us his peace. The second thing is peace with yourself. And I know that things are not great in this fallen world. So many cares, so many problems. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. Like, wow, that's it. It's a presented to God with prayer and petition. When we do that, the peace of God comes into your heart, into your mind. Peace with fellow being. I think we need to live in peace with our fellow beings. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace which the world does not give. If you have Jesus, you will have the perfect peace in your life. The last thing Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Not just keeping it to yourself, but how about becoming a peacemaker in this troubled world and becoming his ambassadors? Those are the three things that I want to just leave with you this morning time. Love, joy, peace. If you have that, that's your inner fruit. And the outer will be patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as, as I conclude, I call the worship team. We have two natures, but there's only one way to live. And that is by the Spirit. When you live by the flesh, the Bible warns us that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can miss heaven. You can miss your salvation. You will not have the joy, but those who live by the Spirit will bear fruit and all the fruits that we mention. Jesus spoke about two possible paths. One leading to death, to hell. One leading to life, which is heaven. You got to do the choosing. And as we close this morning time, I want you to close your eyes as we look to the Lord in prayer. Choose to live by the Spirit so you can have life and life in abundance. But if you continue to just go on the path, of the sinful nature, it's destruction and death. My prayer this morning time for all of you is that you will ask the Holy Spirit to give you that power to live a holy life, to please God, to walk with him every day of your life. So you don't have to live in bondage, in slavery, in addiction, 
But there's so much of joy, love, and peace walking with Jesus. Father, we pray this morning time, Lord, that everyone who's sitting here this morning time, Lord, will experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray they will go back home, they will fast, they will seek the, your face, they will read their Bibles, they will walk with you, they will be hungry because you said, Lord, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. I pray, God, that everyone, Lord, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just speaking in tongues, but I pray that we will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.in. God bless you.